Welcome to the Life Size City Urbanism Podcast. I'm Michael Koval Anderson. I spend a lot of time thinking about the intricacies of urban life through millennia and the complexity of urban experiences. There is the macro level of urbanism, the big picture, as it were, with all the large building blocks that need to be assembled to create cities and human habitats. But what has always fascinated me the most is the details. The finely crafted, elegantly designed moving parts and the humans who make them work, keep them polished, cherish them. I can geek out and take photos of new drainage solutions along a curb that are designed to tackle the whims of climate change, or interesting developments in traffic light signalization at intersections in cities around the world, and so on. At the end of the day, every single day, it is, however, the humans that populate our cities that fascinate me the most. Direct observation of my fellow urban citizens and the inevitable thinking and analyzing of their behavior occupies countless rooms in my head. But for all the different angles and aspects of urban life, there is one that I never hear much about, even though it is such an integral part of the human experience. I've been wanting to explore it for many years. If you've been following this Life Size City podcast and the guests I've interviewed, you won't be surprised that I have enlisted the help of my dear friend and brilliant colleague, Bianca Hermanson, to assist me in my exploration of this topic. I visited her recently in Barcelona. And, as always, our time together is a whirlwind of talking and doing. We should have recorded this podcast either outdoors or in her apartment, but we kept getting distracted by a project we're working on and all the cool stuff we did together in the city. So the only window of time we had was on the last day, on a drive to the mountains, an hour and a half in a car on a motorway. Oh, are we recording now? I hope you didn't get that. Good morning. (laughs) Do you need me to move my legs? You can imagine you're in the car with us, listening to our conversation as you stare out the window at the Catalonia landscape on a sunny winter's day. Hi, Bianca. Hello. (laughs) Here we are again. Yeah. It's like we need a whole new podcast series uh, just for the stuff that we talk about, man. The weird stuff we talk about. So we've been in weird places. We were uh, in Copenhagen. Yeah. Then we met in Paris. Yeah. Now we're in Barcelona. Yeah. um, Where we've been working on a book proposal that we have. Yep. That we're calling Unfuck Your City or How to Unfuck Your City. A guide for how to survive the uh, end of the urban world as we know it. The collapses. Yes. Yeah. So that's been fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm working on the structure of the book. Now we're in a car. It's weird, man. <laughs> you and me, oh, we're in a car. First time ever. Have we, we've never been in a car together before? No, 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 no. Because we don't do cars, remember? Yeah. And I said when I got in <laughs> that this is going to blow up one of my spreadsheets about how many <laughs> hours a year or minutes a year I spend in a car. So this is going to be uh, th- more than three hours today. We're going into the mountains of Catalonia, near Girona, where yeah. you and Gonzalo bought a Messia. A Messia, we bought, yeah. What's a, a Messia? A Messia is a Catalan, uh, an old Catalan farm structure that comes with a piece of land. And in this case, the land is the important part because uh, we want to start a carbon bank not necessarily to create like carbon offset and whatnot, but literally just to help unfuck the planet. So we bought 60 acres and we are gonna preserve that and keep foresting that, so keep growing more forest so we can do our little part in trying to save the planet. Because we talked about that in one of the other episodes about carbon, you know, stays in wood. Exactly. Wood, wood is good. <laughs> wood is good. And yeah. even more so, it stays in the soil. And the That's soil. That's where the real bank is. The carbon bank is that vault yeah. underneath the trees. An awesome vault. So it's a beautiful sunny Sunday. We're driving into the 
heartland of Catalonia to see your place and and it's kind of ironic we're driving there it is yeah. <laughs> we're trying to save the plane and have to fucking drive there yeah <laughs> oh god but, but, that, but that's not why we're here. No, no, no. Well, that's why we're here, obviously. But right. That's why, not why we have the microphones on. No. Because I've been thinking about one quirky, intellectually, it may be interesting angle of urbanism for many years. And, yeah. Can I just interrupt you? I just want to tell the listeners, we are not driving the car. We are not doing a podcast and driving the car. Good point, yeah. I just want a disclaimer if anybody out there is getting nervous now. Oh, dude, when I see people like posting photos on Instagram from yeah. a car, I'm going, were you driving when you took that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't even get me started no, on no, traffic no. safety. So, you got... Just a disclaimer. Sorry, back no, to no, you. No, 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 no. Very good point. There's one book I read by Tom Vanderbilt in New York called How We Drive and What It Says About Us. After yeah. reading that book, I've never been more scared about driving. Right. I'm not scared right now, but I'm super aware. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Good point. Yep. We have people to drive for us. Yes. Hi, Gonzalo. Hi, Gonzalo. <laughs> okay, so this quirky little angle of urbanism, I've never really heard anybody talk about it. I've been thinking a lot about it for years. I've never really known what to do with it. Sort of one of those little ideas in your head that pops up and you process it a bit and then you put it back in the yeah, cupboard. Yeah, because you don't know what to do with it. Yeah, you know, and you're not complete in your thinking about it. There's yeah. not enough for an article or whatever. But then I said, dude, Bianca, yeah. let's do a new one and let's tackle this topic. Yeah, um, the untackleable topic. Yeah. And, and so the title I've had in my head for years is The Erotic City. Yes. How does urbanism relate to erotica? Now. And then again, for the listeners, whenever Michael has an idea that he doesn't know what to do with, he calls me because I'm <laughs> literally game for anything. Yeah. And he's like, we'll figure it out. You just have to show up. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's true. We always figure it out, though. And when producing media, like a podcast, yeah. I have structure. I know kind of where I want to go with it, whether I'm interviewing you or somebody else. Yeah. You know, I have questions, maybe some written down, a lot of them in my head. The conversation leads me to new questions, whatever. Yeah. That structure coming from media is important to me. I have none of that today. <laughs> I'm structureless. I'm a spineless jellyfish in the ocean of podcasts. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's a great starting point. It can't go bad. It's because it's, it's a weird topic in a way. Um, yeah. And I, I mentioned it. Well, you knew we were going to do this. Yeah. And then the other night, we're sitting at a small, intimate cocktail bar, you, me, and Gonzalo. And I said, hey, we're sitting here. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about. For yeah, God's yeah, sakes, yeah. let's try and get like some basic ideas on the drawing board. And so I have uh, a piece of paper from the till of the cocktail bar. They gave me a pen, uh -huh. and I started hammering out some good old-school handwritten notes. Yeah. So this is our you know, our script, yes. <laughs> our vague uh, cocktail-induced uh, <laughs> exactly. structure for this podcast. So Whiskey-stained piece I, of paper. It probably is. I think there was some caipirinha that spilled on it at some point, which makes it even more awesome. Yeah. Now, yes. the erotic city. When I first said, let's talk about the erotic city, and I've mentioned it to some other people before. Yeah. The reaction is always like, <laughs> okay, that's really weird. Yeah. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, urbanists, intelligent right. friends and everything. And yeah, even yeah. you kind of giggled and Gonzalo yeah. was going, oh, God, what are these people doing? Yeah. You know, um, and so, and your first thing yeah. that you said was, I mean, does it need to be erotic? Not because we're shy of that, you and me of no, all no, people. No, no. But you kind of went, maybe it's like something like the sensual city. Right. And I went, hey, I'm open to anything, right? I don't know if you know how much sexy time we're going to get into here, but <laughs> the sensual city. And yeah. I thought this morning while waiting for you guys, hey, maybe the intimate city. Yeah, um, I like that. Because we were walking home from a, a, another cocktail bar another last night. Another cocktail bar, another night out. And Gonzalo says, hey, guys, this street name, this is in Catalan. The Kissing Street. Yeah. And it is this narrow little ancient street in the Gothic heart of Barcelona. Yeah. And you're going, oh, I could totally kiss people there. Exactly. 
It was built for it. It oh. just looks like a kissing street, doesn't and it? And who kissed in that street yeah, so know. much that they had to give it the name the kissing street, right? It's amazing. So that is the perfect little send-off yeah. for starting this podcast uh, about the intimate city, the erotic city, the sensual city. Yeah. Now, before we get into, because I see you looking at the notes. Yeah. I have to make another disclaimer. I feel like I'm the freaking disclaimer agency here, God, but, like yeah. but I have to make another disclaimer, and that is obviously that when we're talking about the erotic city, the central city, um, we are talking about adults, it's consensual, we're not talking about the rape capital of the world, Delhi, or whatnot. Like, we are talking about places that are safe regardless of age, race, gender, sexual orientation, right? I just want to get that out there because I don't want people to comment on this being like, hey, but what about blah, blah, That is not the conversation we're having today. No. Right? That's We can do that podcast, but that's a different podcast. So let's just close that part down right now. This is a safe space, and we're exploring that safe space. We're exploring the intimacy, the erotic aspects of humans living in cities together for yeah. 7,000 years. Exactly. Some of them horny. Yeah. <laughs> some of them wanting to fall in love. Some, yeah. of, some of them wanting to kiss that guy, that girl in that back alley on the kissing street in Barcelona or wherever. Just what, when we're living together in cities in close proximity for millennia, exactly. there is erotica, there is intimacy, there is sensuality. Yeah. You know, we, you know, looking for partners, looking to get lucky. You know, I mean, all of that aspect of, of living together, it, it, it we're humans. We're it's humans. part of human nature. We look at each other, we're attracted to each other, and... And cities are our habitat. So as a species, that's where we live out all of that, those hopes and dreams and wants and motivations and passions and desires. If we were water buffalo, it would be the watering hole <laughs> yeah. in the savannah, and you're drinking your water going, hey, that water buffalo, he's pretty hot. <laughs> you know, I maybe want to mate Hello, with that. Hello, sailor. Hello, sailor. <laughs> so it's, we're just animals who have sexual, erotic, sensual, intimate needs. Emotional needs. Right. Yeah. Okay, are we done with the damn disclaimers? Yes, okay, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. all right. <laughs> but, but no, it's to. a good point. It's a good point. All right. Okay. The first topic, yeah. well, it's not even a topic. It's rough notes written at a cocktail bar, so yeah. I don't know what it is. Nice. The first thing I have here is the sound of intimacy. We talked about that. Yeah. Um, private that. moments made public because of the urban fabric. Yes. And then I also have the sounds of people fucking. Yes. <laughs> so let's just start right there. Let's start. Freak out half the audience who are now leaving the podcast. <laughs> um, and uh, other it's people a uh, getting a cup of coffee going, this is going to be good. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing right now. But yeah, come on, man. A, a city is nothing but private moments made public and I just thought of this this morning the popularity of Instagrams like overheard in LA yeah. overheard in New York London Copenhagen yeah. all we're doing is publishing intimate moments, moments that we overheard about yeah. a couple breaking up or gonna go and have sex or whatever they're gonna yeah, do yeah, yeah, yeah. so in a way they, they, uh, that's a perfect modern angle to the intimate space that we're all <laughs> we're all taking part of exactly but yeah the sound of people fucking. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's just go there. Because like in a city like Barcelona, where I, I've spent so much time in the summer, all the windows are open, yeah, yeah. and it's a sultry evening, and on a narrow street in a densely populated neighborhood. Wait, what? Oh, was that? Oh, somebody's having sex. Yeah, 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 oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think, fair enough, some humans will go, oh, yeah. I don't want to hear that. Right. But when you live in a densely populated city, it's kind of part of the game. It's part of it. <laughs> And I find it, charm. I find it, personally, I find it erotic. Yeah. I'm going to be sitting there reading a book about, you know, the history of shoes. I don't know why <laughs> I said that. I've never read that book. And, you know, on a quiet evening with a glass of wine and all of a sudden, oh, wait, somebody's having sex. Yeah. Somebody is enjoying right. physical intimacy and I can't see them. And you maybe, don't know who You don't are. know. Maybe you'll go out in the balcony and, can I see them? Yeah, like, come on, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. human nature, right? No, but it is. Some people will do that. And yeah. so there's that. There's this, this, uh, if it's sensory, the sounds... I guess we're starting with that. Yeah. Overhearing intimate moments. Right. Is this a good thing? It's a totally good thing. It's a wonderful thing because it reminds us that we're humans and it connects us to our neighbors in a weird way. And I know that sounds crazy, but there's something about, you know, that we are all here and we're all the same and someone is having that private moment and that could be, you know, uh, they could be 
It could be breakup sex. It could be, you know, the first time. There could be some, a baby could be conceived in that moment. Like there's all this stuff that could be happening right there. You know what I mean? And I think it's, it's just the magic of being around other humans. And I think cities, when they're built well, they make the most of it rather than the worst of it, right? And this for me is a wonderful example of when it's the most of it. I love that. I love, I even love hearing people argue, not if it's like, you know, aggressive or dangerous or whatnot, but like there's something to it. You hear the sound of children laughing and you hear the sound of people having sex. That is wonderful. I'm sitting here and listening to you yeah. and thinking, I'm going, I can remember every, almost every single time I heard strangers have sex yeah, yeah, yeah. in cities around the world. Yeah. I have a great clarity in this right. sensory memory I have. Right. But you said people arguing. Yeah. Like, of course, if it's violent and you're no, going, no, oh, yeah. who, who do right. I, should I call somebody now? Exactly. You're you know, get wait, a smash right. plate? Okay, yeah, then our triggers are, are different. But, you know, just the banality of some of the arguments. I like, know. really? Yeah. You're like, you. <laughs> you bought the wrong pasta and you're at a point in your relationship where that happens to be a catalyst yeah and you're going oh my god that is so banal but I, I can relate I, to it and I know? can't stop listening and you can't know because and this is the beauty of being a human being we are coded by nature to listen and look at each other so there's also that so even if you didn't want to hear people having sex you literally have to remove yourself because your brain is coded to listen to it yeah and you're listening for clues about what's going on and you're trying to imagine what is going on. Is it good? Is it bad? It's like, you know, that's your brain. We're wired that way. That's just biology, right? And I think, you know, something that, that I also think we should talk about a little bit about is that we have some public or some, uh, some cities that are so densely populated that you actually can also see it, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the, obviously the dystopian example is Hong Kong. We are literally like two and a half meters from each other. Yeah. But even in, in London, I have, I have witnessed several times looking out the window, people like right next to me having sex, right? I, I can almost map the neighbors in my building when they get like a new partner. <laughs> right. Because you kind of fuck like rabbits at the yeah. beginning, right? You know, oh, she's got a new boyfriend or he's got a new girlfriend. And, and then it goes quiet. You know, they go, oh, wait, they guess they broke up. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, through yeah. the sounds of their right. intimacy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you yeah. map the lives of strangers, right? And that's magical. No, it's, that's what that we do, yeah. That is magical. I mean, reality shows are reality shows because yeah. of this, right? This exactly. is why they exist, because we want to share intimate moments with strangers, even yes. if it's the stupidest shows on the planet, the, <laughs> yes. the Paradise Hotels and all that, right? right. But yeah, we, we, we eat it up. Yeah. I find it interesting if you are sitting in your apartment with a glass of wine, reading a book about the history of shoes, whatever. The history of shoes, yeah. yes. Um, your personal emotional situation or state kind of dictates oh, yeah. your reaction to the fact Oh yeah. That's two people are having a, a, a passion, you know. Yeah. Love tryst that evening. Yes. So you could be just broken up, and you're going, "Oh God, somebody's having." Thank that, you, you know, for that. That's going to depress you. Yeah. That shit right now in my life. Or I am really horny right now, and right. I haven't had sex for a while, and oh, this is oh, this they, is yeah. He looks like shit. He gets laid. Yeah. What, right. <laughs> what is up with that? Why am I not? Why am I not? Absolutely. So, I mean, there's a, a thousand different reactions yeah, that we yeah, could yeah. have to it, which to is the also the human experience. the same exact event. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It depends on where you are emotionally. Oh, yeah. Think about the building on the other side of the street. All the different people listening to it, there's, there's a, you know, a, yeah, a, yeah. a dozen different reactions. Exactly. To it. Yeah. And isn't that magical? That's the core of human habitat to me. It's like we're all in it together, but whatever happens, we're going to perceive it differently. That's awesome. There are societies that are more Puritan than others. Yes. We live in Europe, and we come from Scandinavia, where there's a lot more liberal yeah. approach to such things. Uh, you have societies that are very Puritan, right? Um, but then you, you know, in, in India, you know, yeah. where they have very strict rules yeah. about you can't even hold hands in public if you're not married, you know, yeah. all that. That you know, but then you still know people are having sex. So you live yeah, in a, yeah. a, a society, perhaps one that's really dominated by a religion, yeah, um, and yet. People are going to do what people do, and the, the the contrast between like I'm this is well wait I'm going to listen anyway, yeah. but you know I don't need to know that they're having, but they're okay you know that that the, the complexities of of these cultural norms Absolutely. that some countries might have. Where for us, I think in a city like Barcelona, I find it a sexy city. Yeah, I would say maybe Stockholm. 
less so. And that's just me. And I, we can maybe talk about why that is. But um, yeah, you know, there are... Frankfurt, less so. Frankfurt. Basel, less so. Oh my God, Frankfurt. There is... No, I cannot even imagine Frankfurt being anything remotely in The entire state of Utah. Utah. Oh, we talked about last night. Like when I first went to Salt Lake City thinking it's the heartland of the Mormons. Right. And it's this wild wild west of LGBT goodness right. as a reaction to the religious yeah. you know, dominance, right? Anyway, that's another thing. But That's another podcast. But farther down the list on, on the paper here, which is kind of related, there's no structure, but uh, it, I have sensory stimuli that we wrote down, right? Yeah. Um, flowers, foods, uh, reminds you that you have a body smelling good foods or walking past a flower shop or a blossoming trees in the spring. Correct. Go. And Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it directly relates to the fact that we started with the audio Right, the, we started with the, you can say the audios, that we started with the, with the audio component of living in a city, right? Like, I can hear my city. So there's so much to that. I mean, I think, you know, even though we all agree that most of the sex we have as individuals happens in our brains, you know, there is still that, you need that deep connection to your, deep rooted connection to your body when, when you are, you know, in that state of mind. And then, so being reminded of the fact that we have, and having our senses activated, right? That draws your attention towards your body and you're saturated by whatever sensory stimulus you're on, like that, that happens around you. That can really heighten that, you know, the whole sensory and the whole experience of, oh yeah, that's right, I do have a body. There's something outside of the endless emails that go into my inbox every day. God, I'm a human. Wow. Okay. Wait. What do I want then? Like, what do I need right now? I want to cuddle. Okay, great. Let's go cuddle. Like, that's the kind of thing, right? So I think having cities, like imagine a city, well, actually, right now, we're in a car. We're on the freaking highway. I'm not very sensually stimulated right now. My senses are not stimulated right now. You know what I mean? Like, that's just so... The opposite to that or the counter to that is, for instance, like last night where we were walking down that street and yeah, there were there were still trees in December that had flowers on them, right? And we were, you know, you could smell also there was the, that smell of, of winter in the air, you know, you could smell the rotting leaves and we had the, some of the restaurants were closing down. We had that faint smell of food still coming out from those kitchens. We oh, weren't hungry. Sad. We had eaten, but still, this the sensory stimuli of, oh, Thai. Yeah. I haven't had Thai for a while. Right. I like Thai, for, you know, whatever. I mean, it reminds us, you said it, I mean, and I wrote it down. It reminds us that we have a body. Yes. Um, it might have been Gonzalo who said that, actually, but yeah. whatever. Um, one of us was saying it in our conversation. But And I said, oh, maybe there's this deep-rooted connection to nature that we maybe yeah. forget. Yeah. That when this blossoms spring, uh, spring out in the in the springtime on the trees, that is fertility. And springtime is really probably the most erotic season. Yeah. Because we've been bundled up for all winter and then (laughs) all of a sudden we're bombarded with sunshine. And um, so yeah, maybe there's that, that, you know, if you have flowers in, uh, flowering trees in a city, that also adds some sort of level of eroticism without even knowing it. Exactly. Oh, it's springtime. The birds and the bees, all the animals are, you know, the insects are having sex. Everybody's doing it. Oh, why am I not doing it? Yeah. And there's also something else to that. And that is something we also, I remember we talked about that, the richness of details, right? Like a tree that flowers, there's the differences, the tiny color differences in the different flowers. There's the smell of it. There's, yeah, exactly. As you say something coming. There's also just the color impact of that. So there's almost like this extra layer of details that your city is engulfed in, you know, at that moment, right? And, and I think it's one of the things for me, particularly when you, when you said to me, so, hey, Bianca, what's an erotic city to you? What's the erotic city to you? I was thinking immediately my mind went to richness of details. I need details. You know, I, I, need, to, I need a city where I can fall in love with every street I walk down. I need a city where I... Whenever I walk down a new street, the sound of my footsteps are going to be different because the paving is different. I need to be surprised. I need to be delighted. I want to explore. I even want to be a little bit 
not afraid, but just sort of like, hey, oh, what's going on now? And then in other places, I want to just be perfectly comfortable without a care in the world. And that, to me, is super central. And architecture, I mean, this isn't even on the list, but your architecture in a city like Barcelona, because that's where we are at the moment, but thinking about other cities, you know, with, with rich, detailed architecture, yeah, yeah. like just the forms, rounded corners right. and, and windows that stick out and, and, and all of the different architectural aspects that predate the automobile because we dumbed down our architecture after we invented the car because totally we're driving so down. fast, there's nothing yeah. to look at. No. I no. remember reading that for every 30 meters you walk or ride a bike in a city, you register 60 details wow. around you. Yeah. When you're driving a car at 50 kilometers an hour <laughs> down a road, you only have time to register six or seven details. Right. So we dumbed down architecture because we didn't need to have the beautiful uh, gargoyles, uh, the sculptures, the form of the of the rock. We just have facade, and sign, buy beer here. And we call that rational or we call it logic, but really it's just dumbing down, as you say. Okay, so that was it's good. impoverishing our environment. Yeah. I'm looking at the paper, it's long, so let's, <laughs> I'm not saying we have to speed it up, but maybe right, right. richness of detail, yeah. boom, that's that takeaway there. Yeah. Um, then I have here written down on the paper, private-public mixes, blurred lines, the freedom to do it. I don't know what it was when we wrote it. <laughs> uh, it legitimizes it. Um, and then I have pack animals, because you said pack animals. We're pack animals. And I think we kind of covered that, you know, like we are just animals. Yeah, and yeah. if you hear somebody else having uh, sex or you overhear a conversation, you walk past a couple embraced in a late night kiss on the kissing street somewhere, yeah. uh, it legitimizes it. it yeah. Wow, they're doing that in public space. Yeah. Um, now, the Americans, okay, we're going to... Yeah. We're going to get back to the Americans. <laughs> but, you know, they literally have that expression, PDA, ooh, public yeah. display of affection. Yeah. Don't do that in public. Right. Um, I don't know what voice that was. That was my weird That American was a Karen voice. voice. <laughs> my Karen voice. <laughs> um, so that is a weird thing when you come from Europe. You're going, wait, I can't kiss in public? I know. Like, I can't just lean over and make out with, yeah. you know, my guy, my girl. Right. In, and share that little moment and then let's go get a coffee. Exactly. People are going, ew. ew. There's a whole cultural thing there about Puritan societies, right? But um, you don't... Not, well, it's not just Puritan. Like, I think that is something that is really important for me to say here is that it's not just around the sort of morality of it. It's also a conservative fear. You're disguising the, you can say, how you or the desensitization of society by that conservative fear, right? So you're calling it Puritan, but it's really not. Okay. It's, it's you know, well, not you saying it's Puritan, but like everybody's saying it's Puritan. It's really not. It's that fear of showing that you're human and vulnerability and intimacy, because all of that makes us vulnerable and all of that makes us human and all of that makes us easy targets if you're living in a really hardcore society where you gotta protect yourself emotionally, right? So I think there's, there's that side of it too, where it's not about morality, but it's a way of protecting yourself or cocooning yourself by not displaying emotions. And that is very contrary to the European culture, I will say, because the European culture is very much about, I mean, if you're unhappy about, I don't know, the bill you got at a restaurant, you will say so, and you will, you know, start, like an Italian will start a fight about it, right? Yeah. Um, and you will kiss someone if you want to kiss that person. So I think it's two different takes on what it is to live your life and be a, a, a person that walks around in public space. Well, it's kind of the blurred lines that I have written down here as well, where the typology of cities for millennia, the typology of the cities we still live in in Europe, public, private space, the lines are blurred. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you look at a car-centric society, I am in my car, this is my private space. I can see fragments of other humans in other cars, and I can give them the finger because they cut me off. But you're separated physically from other humans. Where and so you don't care. Y yeah, you, you you you're in your bubble. Yeah. Um, where you're walking down a pedestrian-friendly street in yeah. a European city, you're constantly surrounded by your fellow humans. Oh, you're exactly. elbow to elbow with them, whether you like it or not. Well, you yeah. kind of like it if you live in the city, right? Yeah. If you come from a little town and you come to the city for the weekend, you're going, oh my God, there's so many people here. So overwhelming, yeah. You know, and in New York, it's like, you're walking too slow. You know, <laughs> you got to walk like a New Yorker. If you're going to walk, you know, you, you know I, when I'm in New York, I'm going, yeah, that person's from Kansas. Like, speed it up, buddy. And I'm not even from New York. So, like, you have all these, these those kind of things. Yeah. But 
you're constantly exposed to other humans. Yeah. You're constantly, you know, seeing somebody pick their nose, yeah. laugh at a joke that the guy said, the girl said. You know, you're always. And then even sometimes you laugh at that joke and feel like that was a pretty funny joke, right? Or, you know, the perfume she's wearing. God, that reminds me of my mother. Yeah. She wears that perfume. How weird is that? Oh, I should call her. It's all of that interaction is magical. Dude, I love that. <laughs> I noticed years ago when Not I started. People, yeah. You know? Okay, you said perfume, right? People. Like years ago. Yeah. When I started thinking about bikes coming from another world where I never thought about bikes, I just rode a bike every day. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I just noticed in a way the eroticism. Yeah. Of riding my bike in the morning rush hour with 80 billion other Copenhageners. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you just lock into a scent. And like maybe there's a, a, a human that I would find attractive in front of me. Yeah. And whoa, that's a really nice shampoo. Right. Or that, and, and that's fresh shampoo because yeah, yeah, she yeah. just got out of bed and got, had a bath and is now going to work or education. Yeah. Or a perfume. Yeah. And I have literally, and you know, I know that there's going to be a percentage of the listeners yeah. who are going to say, "Ew, that's creepy." Yeah. <laughs> but this it's is this not, whole podcast episode. Creepy. I will not overtake. I will fall into yeah. a line behind the scent. Yeah. And I will just, in the morning sunlight of the spring, I will inhale the scent of an apple shampoo or yeah. a nice perfume. Yeah. It could be a perfume I don't like, so I'm going to, yeah, you know, flow on past, right? right? Yeah. And then sail along. And actually, I've looked it up. There's a word for this in the perfume industry. It's called silage. Silage. It's from silage, which is the wake behind a boat. Gotcha. You know, the wake of the, yeah. in the water. And the, 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 the perfume phrase is the silage. So if you put on a perfume, you should be able, it should linger behind you. Right. So that other people will, yeah, you know, yeah. inhale it. So it's a beautiful word, actually. Anything French is beautiful. But yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that is also, in a way, uh, a sensory stimulus, stimulus right? Where it somebody is. else's choice of shampoo, perfume, oh, that is really nice. I'm going yeah, yeah. to linger in their scent for a while. Right. And then she'll turn off or he'll turn off. And then we go on our separate ways, right? And, and it's I, an intimate moment between strangers. Only one of us knows that it happened, correct. right? It's intimate memorable moment yeah that's it oh it's creepy (laughs) no (laughs) no it's not but i think you know what what's also really important here that that what you're talking about that i kind of also want us to get at is that in order for something to be truly whether it's erotic or sensual or whatever we call it you have to have you have to strike a very fine balance between feeling safe and taking chances or exploring or taking risks, right? Like, and what you described right there is exactly that. There is no harassment, there's no sexual harassment in you smelling an apple perfume, right? If she knew, she might even be flattered, right? She doesn't know, so it's safe for you to do so. But at the same time, it's also, you also kind of know, because you're saying yourself, it's kind of creepy. So there's that, there's that fine balance. And we actually talked about it in terms of sometimes, you know, in Copenhagen, women like to flirt while they're on their bike, right? Because it's a safe space. Because if you find out, oh, I actually don't like the reaction I'm getting when I'm flirting with this person, you are on your bike, you go just, you go, you're, you're gone, yeah. you're safe, right? You're empowered. But at the same time, you have that opportunity to just show off a nice tan summer leg in your heel, right? So there's that, there's that perfect balance between safe and the ability to take a chance and risk. And I think that, that was something we discussed at the, at the bar too. It's like there's something about when things are erotic or sensual. It's like that exploring, that curiosity, something that sparks your curiosity, something you want to explore, something you want to learn more about, or something you just want to try out. You know. And in order to be in a space where you want to try something new, it has to be a safe space, right? So really getting that balance. For me, when the urban fabric allows for that balance, that just opens up for this whole wonderful, you know, bucket of just human nature. And I love it. Well, that conveniently, <laughs> this is great because <laughs> like, I'm going, wait, we, that's another point on our little... <laughs> sorry. Piece of, no, 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 don't be sorry. It's great because uh. it leads into other stuff. It's like the structure's writing itself here. Yeah. Because I have here, well, 
constant exposure to people, yes. public transport, bicycle-friendly cities, pain compliments, sexy, oh, my you. shoes. Oh. I have my shoes. Yeah. But, I, but So how we talked about when you live in a, in a city where you're surrounded by people, pedestrian-friendly streets, yeah. you know, bicycle-friendly cities with 100 people waiting for the light in Copenhagen, yeah. you can pay compliments to people. So yeah. in a way, I could, um, and anybody could, yeah. you know, at the red light going, that's an awesome shampoo. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, but that's really, I, I just smelled your shampoo. And, and, you know, if the moment's right to give that compliment, um, you flattering know, yeah, it's be. flattering because compliments are sexy. And in a city where you're constantly impacted by visual visual stimuli, yeah, yeah. those shoes are awesome. I know. And Where'd you get the shoes, dude? I mean, I've had guys say cool shoes. Yeah. And, you know, guys don't do it as much as women do, right? But um, it's, it's, yeah, you have the opportunity to give compliments and that is part of a sexy city totally part of a sexy city and actually you know so the one thing that i am gonna miss about the london tube you know like with corona and everything no one goes in the tube anymore because it's like germ disaster down there but the one thing i'm gonna miss is all the compliments i paid to people and all the compliments people paid to me on the tube every morning i guarantee you at one point in my journey going to the office there was some person who would be like hey nice shoes Thanks, and you know I'm into my shoes, right? Like I'm, your and entire like, life is compliments about your shoes. It's, it's like rapid-fire compliments all day long because you have the most bizarrely beautiful collection of shoes. Yeah, but it's like you know that moment where you're like, yeah, I know they're good, but like having someone say that to me, you know, and I've paid so many people compliments. Like, I love your hair. You look awesome. That is a good style on you, man. And I just, you know, that it's like a a small little it's a random act of kindness in a way there you go because Good one, yeah. you know someone could have, be having a really shit day like maybe they're going into work and they know they have to lay off one of their best people because the company's doing you know cutting back or whatnot and i pay that compliment and just for those minutes two minutes or however that long that lasts you know, before the the horror of the inbox creeps back into yeah. your brain. Gotta get back to that spreadsheet. Oh, exactly. wait, somebody, yeah, no. And exactly. you're and you're, you're seen, right? You're, yeah. Somebody looked at you, another human, exactly. one out of 7.9 billion, yeah. and said, that little part of you is pretty cool. Yeah. Like your choice there, exactly right? Exactly right. And then you can walk away, right? And that, it's kind of creepy if you hang out. Going, yeah, <laughs> let's, let's talk about your shoes, girl. <laughs> You know, do you have any, can, you know, what are your feet like? Okay, then, you know, you know, and it gets creepy, right? There, yeah. there, there, there's, there, we're, we're on the edge of creepy every single time, right? And it's and important to say that we're not going there. But, like, no. of course, human nature can yeah. walk into creepy. Ed. And that's that fine balance the fine between balance. safety and risk-taking. Yeah. So I get compliments on my hair all yeah. the time. You got great hair. Thank you. Thank you. Stop it. Say it again. <laughs> you got great Stop hair, Michael. Oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> and, and Gonzalo as well. Um, I know. Like, awesome great mop hair. of hair. Yeah. And I get, I, I don't know if it's really in the past yeah, five or six years where I, I've always had the same thick hair. Yeah. Now it's super gray. Yeah. Silver fox and stuff. You get that it's compliment all the time. Oh, silver fox. You know, fine. Yeah. I'm give it to me like you know yeah. what do I want in my day is somebody to say awesome hair yeah. I know it's awesome like I'm literally aware that my hair is awesome yeah. and I love my hair yeah. but of course I want to hear it as many times as possible yeah. and I have down here you know you're the shoe yeah. queen of the planet <laughs> but I bought a pair of shoes recently just at, at Adidas Stan Smith white but with pink accents like pink in, in inside of it right yeah, yeah. so there's a lot of pink popping, popping out. out of the yeah, shoes yeah, around yeah, my ankles yeah. and I've been just getting compliments on those shoes yeah. from from women yeah. and some men actually, to be yeah, honest, yeah. in Copenhagen. Oh right, cool shoes like fifty-three-year-old silver fox dude. Yeah. But those shoes really like I love that, and I bought them because I thought they were cool. Yeah. Like a guy like me wearing pink shoes, I'm not trying to make any massive statement. I bought them because I like them, but yeah. I'm getting compliments on those shoes. You know. And the, I'm, you know, I'm a, that's my minor Bianca moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody like my shoes. <laughs> but And that's the point about when a city, you know, when your city that you live in enables you to get that compliment. Because if we were in a different city, you know, if you were living in a different city, maybe a city where you don't talk to people on the street because of safety issues, or in a car-centric city where you never see people's feet because <laughs> you're in cars, you know, yeah. you wouldn't get that compliment. I, so literally, the built environment around you 
either enables that situation or hinders it. I was working a lot in Russia a few years ago. Yeah. And I've lived in Russia back in the day. I'm pretty familiar with their, their culture. I like your shoes. No, actually, you the opposite. You have great shoes, Michael. The opposite, actually. Oh. I, it was springtime. Yeah. And in Northern Europe, and I think most of Europe, it's warm. You wear shorts. Yeah. A nice pair of shorts that work for your business purposes. Yeah. Yeah. And like men, like the mayor of the city we were working in, after three days, he's going, so why shorts every day, Michael? Shorts, why this shorts thing? And then I went, and he was kind of like, it's yeah, weird, yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah. And then I started looking around, I'm going, I am the only man in Russia wearing, wearing shorts. shorts. Like, apart yeah. from small children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I realized, whoa, there's a weird thing. and They don't see grown men wearing shorts right. going to business meetings. Your legs were out. Didn't even see that coming, right? right? So, And a lot of men would, like, on the street be going, what men wear shorts? Weird. Is he, is Must he, be from West, but uh, weird to wear shorts. Is he tall boy? Tall boy, yeah, grown boy. <laughs> boy man. What is boy man doing in Russia with shorts? Don't understand this culture. And then they realize you're from the West, and they're going, okay, oh, the West whatever. is just weird yeah, for us, yeah. 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 But so it's kind of like, the, the. it wasn't a compliment. It was like, why are you doing that? Because we find that to be weird, dude. But yeah, so don't wear shorts to business meetings. And in Russia, Russia was your pro tip no. there. Um, all right, I'm going to refer to... It's really weird sitting in a car and like not knowing where you're going. I know. You, all, you know, I, I don't spend a lot of time in cars. I like less than five hours of my life in a per year yeah. is in a car, and this car is taking us somewhere. <laughs> I know. And we, we feel safe because Gonzalo's taking us there. But it's okay. It's, it's super weird, yeah. Um, so we talk about on this list of paper. Well, we have public space a lot, yeah. outdoor seating. Yeah. This is the really looking at the pandemic and the reaction of cities to the pandemic this is the only universal takeaway from the pandemic around the world some cities did temporary bike lanes many didn't some cities did this and that others didn't everybody made space for outdoor seating yeah as a response to the pandemic yeah the cool cities are going to keep it of course Obviously. right barcelona and copenhagen loads of parking spots taken and tables yeah. out there to enjoy yeah. but a city with good public seating right. where you can sit and do what we are supposed to do in cities, people watch. Exactly. That has absolutely an element of sensuality, intimacy, erotica because, absolutely. you know, maybe you're not sitting there looking to score, no, but, no. Yeah, whoa, right. nice legs on yeah. that guy. Yeah, Look yeah, at his yeah. biceps in that tight yeah, t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's got a, you know, that's a great outfit she's wearing. It really shows off her form or whatever, right. whatever form you like, whatever human you like, right? You're constantly bombarded by it. And you have the opportunity to sit down and just look at it for an Enjoy hour. Enjoy it, I know. And I think, you know what, an another thing for me that really, when we talk about the erotic city or the central city, is the porosity of the facade. Like for me, openings in the facade, between that, what is you know, quintessential, the public space, which is like the street, and then the home of someone, you know? Whether it's, um, yeah, I, like laundry. We talked about laundry. How we both love when laundry's hanging out. You know, you can you can actually see people's undies yeah. like out on the street. That's amazing, right? But also just openings into people's windows. You can hear what music they're listening to on their Spotify playlist. Sometimes if people live like at street level, the doors will be open. Like in, you know, this is my favorite part about about Dutch culture is how much they open their doors. And just in the summer, the doors are just open. You can look straight into people's homes. And you can, you know, if they're, if she, if she's making pancakes or waffles in there, you can smell that. And I love that. That to me is very central. Like that, you know, how the thing that separates public space and private space is a layer of bricks. Yeah. Just that. Just that small layer of bricks, right? And these openings where I get a chance to sort of peep into their private lives. And they know you're doing that. it. Their and door's they, open. They know that somebody's going to turn their head and look down the hallway and see them making pancakes in their kitchen in the back. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. We all agree. Consensual adults agree. This is what we're doing right now. And you also have the opportunity to close the door if you don't want exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that freedom, the blurred line again. The blurred is, yeah. line, yeah. yeah. All right. I'm looking at the list here. Well, it's just, I think it's a quick one, but the humor I wrote, because oh, I remember you said it. 
humor makes me laugh. And we said it in a way you overhear somebody saying a funny joke or you know, <laughs> a laugh. dry remark, and you Jesus, that was funny, dude. And you keep walking, right? And then you're happy for the, you know, for a while, and you remember the joke like the next day. I heard this dude say that. It's the overheard in yeah, it's New the, York thing, right? And again, my favorite of all the overheard in uh, was this woman who told her kid. Honey, put your mask on. We don't want people thinking we're Republicans. <laughs> in New York, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that one. Like, that is awesome. Like, it's like the internet in live person, like in city, you know, it's like the internet in the city. But I think one of the things that we've kind of been circling around, Michael, that we haven't really tackled yet, and I want to just, I want to get there. Uh-oh. That's nudity. Nudity in public, man. It's, it's on the list, as you would expect it with you and me. <laughs> it's near the end. Because that was like three cocktails in, and then, we, <laughs> and then we went nude. So I remember asking you, um, living in Copenhagen yeah. or in a Danish city, have you seen naked people? Right. In Friends, right? Yeah. The, the famous character you've never seen yeah, yeah, is the yeah. naked guy, the right? The naked guy, yeah. And, and it's like, oh, what's he doing now? And like, you know, that's the yeah, funny yeah, part yeah. of the series. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I've lost track of how many naked people I've seen. Just right. standing in my window talking on the phone, and oh, you know, there's a dude changing he just got home from the gym there's a girl you know yeah. getting dressed to go out at night yeah you see naked people all the time in Copenhagen yeah. and other cities like it I'm sure yeah yeah and I think what's you too right you see no naked no people. we see naked I see naked people all the time and again being raised in an egalitarian uh, society being raised in a safe society where body confidence is something you gain based on your achievements and not how it necessarily looks that is perfectly natural Right. And I kind of, again, like it because it reminds me I have a body. When I see someone else's body, it reminds me I have a body too. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, and that's again the human nature of it. So it's less, you know, the sort of the studs on the beach here in Barcelona, like showing off the stuff. I'm like, oh, dude, that is so socialized. Like right now, that is not, you're not being natural right now. You, this is a cultural display of whatever it is you're trying but to. But it's just the animal kingdom. They're yeah. posing. Their feathers are all bright and colored, and they're standing there going, look at me. Like, it's kind of maybe primitive, but I mean, it's... It's kind of primitive, right? Where what I enjoy much more is what you're saying. Like, that person that's changing their clothes in their bedroom, and they don't, you know, necessarily pay attention to the fact that people can see it. Or maybe they do, and they decide it as, you know, from principle. I don't care. I'm okay with that, you know? So that kind of, like, that everydayness of just having a body and being naked because we live in densely populated areas, I think that's awesome. So that kind of nudity is, for me, feels natural and it feels good. And it, again, it's kind of sensual, right? Now there are things that are universal and transferable about living in cities where you're gonna run, come across intimate moments yeah. around every corner. I think some of these cultural things are maybe not transferable because I know people get freaked out when I tell them about in Denmark since the 70s, the very liberal 70s, uh, it's been legal to be naked in public in Denmark. Yeah. It's literally written down in the laws. You can be naked on any beach All in Denmark. Yeah. Um, less people do it now, but if you're sitting there on a crowded Saturday beach, lots of families with kids and one woman, one man just strips off and goes swimming, people are going to go, huh, naked <laughs> yeah. dude. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, don't see that much. Either. No, whatever. But nobody's going to react. No, no, no. Now, even in Copenhagen Harbor, you got people jumping in oh, naked. You see people in the summer when people are you know, bathing and swimming yeah. a lot. Yeah, I mean, I do it all the time as well. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, you know, we got a hundred thousand winter bathers. Yeah. Members of clubs in Denmark, but and then naked. you have all the yeah. And then yeah. when you're in a winter ba winter bathing club, it's you're part naked. of the deal. You're exactly. naked, so. Yeah. But it's still wild for people. Yeah. Technically, I can be naked on any street in Denmark, if somebody calls and yeah. the police and the police come they're going to go dude really they can make the judgment call yeah i don't think this is an appropriate place for you to be naked can you please put on some clothes you won't get arrested unless you protest or whatever and, no but yeah people like, dude like maybe not here on the busy pedestrian street on a, on a saturday <laughs> afternoon don't see the point of you being naked here okay <laughs> you know go somewhere else into a park but if you have a legit reason let's say you were demonstrating against fashion industry or whatnot if you have a legit reason, they cannot arrest you for it. Okay, wait, that's really interesting. I had a friend years ago, I'm talking 25 years ago, they were protesting some some political thing. Yeah. And they all stripped off their clothes on one end of uh, the walking street in Copenhagen, walked up to City Hall Square. Yeah. The police came. Yeah. They said, really? We're protesting and this is da-da. And the police are going, oh, where are you going? City Hall Square. Okay, you're going to put on your clothes when you're done? Yep. All right. Off you go. Yeah, yeah, right? Exactly. Like, fine. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but 
Corona, yeah. lockdowns, weird things happened, I think, for everybody. <laughs> yep. I was at, this is, we're in, we're still in nude land here. Yeah. Um, I'm drinking, I had a girlfriend last summer, I was out with a really good friend and his girlfriend, and there was another female friend there, and we're drinking, and I'm saying, hey, you know, uh, we're going to go skinny dipping yeah. when we're done, right? Yeah. Because it's summer, it's yeah. sultry, it was 25 degrees, and I remember, duh, like, we do it all the time. And again, remember, you've been cooped up all winter in Scandinavia, so when summer comes, everybody gets a little bit insane. Yeah. Insane in the good way, but everybody's like all fired up on sunlight, right? If I don't skinny dip at least once in the Copenhagen Harbor every year, I have failed as a Copenhagen. Yes, exactly. But we're talking about it. Yeah. And then I had just been interviewed for an article where I mentioned, you know, what would you export to the world from Copenhagen? It was yeah. a Danish magazine. Yeah. And I said, freedom. Right. The freedom to be yourself. The freedom to be naked in public. And I had all this. And I read it aloud to my friends. And then my friend said, okay, we're going to go skinny dipping, but why don't we... Why don't we just be naked somewhere in public? Yeah. So we had had a couple of bottles of wine, and yeah. we developed this whole thing. I said, okay, let's do it. And I love Søren Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher. Yes. And I said, let's go and let's be naked in front of him. Because I know from his journals that when he was sad, he would sit naked in his apartment and speak foreign tongues. This was his way of, of dealing with uh, being depressed. Depressed. And I said, let's go to his statue and speak foreign tongues to Søren Kierkegaard, because I love the man. <laughs> and so we did, but we couldn't get in. Right. And it was right by the Danish parliament. I said, great, everybody, let's ride our bikes out to his grave and do it there. You know, yeah. Yeah. graveyards are open all night in Denmark. Yeah. Um, and one of my friends, he said, hey, man, we are standing in front of the seat of Danish democracy, the Danish parliament. Yeah. If we're allowed to be naked anywhere, it's here. Right. And we're all going, yeah, we're all tipsy. And we're going, this is the greatest idea. A little idea bit ever. tipsy. So what do we do? We stripped off. Yes. And it's a closed space. You can ride your bike or walk past it. There's no cars. And it was late night, two in the morning, yeah. summer. And we just stood there naked. And one girl, uh, my girlfriend's friend, she said, I heard that if you have your shoes on but you're naked, you feel more naked. We're going, awesome, we did that. <laughs> so we're butt naked. You have looked fantastic <laughs> with your shoes on in I front have, of Parliament. I have photos. Which we, have, we took loads of photos. And we're standing there drinking wine and just enjoying the nudity. And people are riding their bikes past, ringing their bells, yeah, going, yeah. what are you people doing? It looks awesome. And we're saying, you want to join us? No, thanks. But like we had conversations with people. Yeah. And we legit, we, we did it. And nobody, no no helicopters with, uh, no. with uh, Secret Service police came down to uh, lock you, us up. You can't be naked in front of Parliament. Yeah. But in Denmark, you could. You could. And, and why is that? Why is that that you can be naked in Denmark? I mean, I think it was just, well, it, it all comes from also the German movement, the FKK, the, yeah, yeah. the free body culture from yeah. the 20s and 30s. We also adopted that in Denmark, but we're, you know, and you can, there are many parks in Berlin, you can be naked. Like, oh, yeah. this is not just only Denmark, but yeah, whatever. We just exercised our right to be nude in public. <laughs> and it's, we were there for like 40 minutes and then the huge door of the parliament opens. Yeah. And a little man came out, <laughs> an older gentleman, maybe 60, and he was the, the night watchman of right. the parliament. Yeah. And we're a terrorism target, Denmark. So yeah. we you, we all go, there's probably cameras in there's Super probably. 8K, you yeah. know, yeah. And we all knew that, but that's part of the game. And he comes out and he says three things, which yeah. I find so beautiful. He said, hey, that looks like fun, what you're doing there. <laughs> that was the first thing. First thing. He yeah. legitimized our behavior. Yes. He recognized, maybe that's not what I want to do. Maybe I did it when I was young. You guys are doing that thing you're doing. It looks fun. Good. Number two. But you're getting too close to the building. When you get too close to the building, the alarms go off inside. Ah. So he said, you're kind of messing with my shift. Yeah. And in our culture, we're going, no. I was watching Netflix, and you're kind yeah. of <laughs> making me have to come out here. Yeah, or he's reading the paper, and the alarms are going, bleep, bleep, bleep. And yeah. so we realized he was the gatekeeper. Right. He could have hit that big red button, yeah. and the Secret Service police would and the come. police would descend upon us. Yeah. Uh, he made the call. This is not a terrorism <laughs> right, issue here. Right. This is just drunk people on a Saturday night. Yeah. Boom. He warned us. Yeah. No, no, no. Sorry. He said, you're kind of messing with my work. Yeah, I'm yeah, kind of a yeah, little yeah. bit tired of it. I gave you 40 minutes. Are we done now? Yeah, yeah. And we were like, oh my God, dude, so sorry. Yeah, yeah. Third thing. And by the way, there's cameras all over this place. Yeah, so yeah. have a good night. And he disappeared. So he right. warned us. Yeah. It was so nice. So he was, he represented Danish culture in those three things he said. And we said, right, we're kind of done now anyway. Yeah. And we don't want to mess with his job. So no. we all got dressed and had, went home on a high, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, wow, that was a long explanation about nudity. Because, I mean, that's an erotic city. 
That's totally erotic. That's to me. intimate. We're sharing an intimate moment because, with strangers, whether they like no. it or not. <laughs> and because, um, and for me, that's really, you know, that's erotic. And that's where this, the conversation we're having right now moves from being like peeping Tom creepy to becoming about, again, human nature and people being human. And then you tie that in with the whole like political thing about their freedom, you know, yeah. and that guy being nice to you. I mean, this, this for me is that. That is Erotic City. Now, we mentioned the spring, and we mentioned, well, when you're in the Danish winter, yeah, and there's very little light, yeah. the sun sets at 3.30 in the afternoon, yeah. it gets up, you know, up in the morning at 8. 10 sometimes. Oh. In the spring, mm. you're all of a sudden bombarded with light. Yes. And we measure light in something called lux, yes. the unit. And all of a sudden, from 400 lux yeah. on a winter's day, we get 10,000 in April. Makes us crazy. Makes us happy. Makes us horny. Yeah. You know, everybody's looking yeah. at each other on the streets. Oxytocin um, all over the oh, place. Oh, yeah. So, the, I mean, that is a major thing we know in the Nordic countries. Yes. Um, Dostoevsky's written about it in, in uh, some of his books. It's a thing we know in the North. But generally, I have also written down here weather. I find, I said it before, yeah. Barcelona yeah. is a sexy city. Yeah. Um, we both agreed instantly Frankfurt is not, no. <laughs> for many other reasons. But so, can you. Anyone you listening a, from Frankfurt? Sorry, not sorry. Feel, yeah, feel yeah. free to challenge us, but this is our, this is our perception right now, and we, just, we would love to be challenged. No more disclaimers. All right. Because no. <laughs> <laughs> Frankfurt's not a sexy city. But we live in the north. Yes. We're bundled up for months, and then we are. We explode in a in a, a sensory sensory orgy. Yes. In the spring and summer. Yes. But you know, a Latin city where the weather is always good. Right. You know, Mexico City. Is right. If I find that to be an erotic city yeah. as well. I mean, it would be, but you can still have an erotic city in the north, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know you mentioned also um, like Russia, you know, because I was a little bit like, oh, like. Honestly, I don't feel super sexy in the wintertime when I'm all bundled up and it's cold. And, you know, like sometimes when you go even further north than Copenhagen, you're looking at minus 20, minus 25. That's not uh, not necessarily something that sort of brings out that in me, you know. But, but then you were saying. You, well, sorry, jump yeah. in. But like then you walk into a cafe or a bar yeah. and you take off that outer layer. Right. And you're going, oh, you're blinged up. Right. Saturday night, then yeah. then it's so it's the moment of reveal, right, you know. You know, so right. we have. I think it's still there. It's just sort of more bundled up, and then we reveal. Yeah. Where if you're walking around with 25 degrees every single day, you know, you're always kind of wearing yeah clothes where you expose your body. You know, you and, can feel yeah. the breeze on your legs. Yeah. And yeah. Whatnot. One thing we uh, again maybe conveniently because we're in a car forgot to talk about, but I think it's really important, especially with and, the American listeners. We went off the motorway. We're on narrow mountain road, so I'm staring out the window now, so I don't throw up. Just so you know, yeah, so I'm okay. not looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it's we're going to the mountains. So we're climbing up the mountains right now. Sorry. But one thing, yeah, we conveniently left out because uh, we're in a car. Is um, what do you do? I mean, it's not like if you live in a car-centric city, you can't feel sexy, or that can't be erotic, right? So we talk about the American phenomena of people losing their virginity in a car or actually people carrying out the majority of their young life in terms of exploring sexuality and passion and having boyfriends and girlfriends and whatever in between, you know, how that translates to actually living out your intimate erotic life in a car. Yeah. Because you don't have anywhere else to do it. You. Let's say you come from a Catholic home, you can't do it at home. You don't, the, your partner doesn't live alone. That Your partner, they also live with their parents or whatnot. The only place left to do that, and you don't have a beach nearby or a forest where you would want to do those and those ants, and you know, there's lots of things. So you do it in the car. And that was like, and then all of a sudden, the, what happens then is that the car becomes sexy. And we were both like, kind of weird because we both have a really love-hate, mainly hate relationship with cars. But when we talked about it, my first question was, have you ever fucked in a car? Yeah. And you said? Yes. Yes. Of course. I grew up, you know, being Danish, but growing up in North America. This is our valley. Oh, here we're getting into the mountains now. This is our valley. Awesome. Do you see it? Yeah. So beautiful. 
but I grew up in North America. Yeah. And yeah, statistically, many young people have sex for the first time in cars because in cars. it's not legitimized at their parents' house. Yeah. Where most kids in Denmark actually have sex uh, statistically in their own bed or the bed of the other person, right? Right. Because it's legitimized. You're going to have sex anyway. Do it in a safe space home. Let's just again refer to <laughs> Markus Heutnicke, the uh, Minister of Health, where he's saying uh, during COVID, where uh, a reporter asked him, but what about sex, Marcus? And he was like, <clears throat> well, <clears throat> obviously the the Danish uh, <clears throat> Board of Health or, you know, Minister of Health, we, uh, we've We are pro-sex. We uh, recommend having sex. Sex is a healthy activity. So we're just saying, be careful. And there's COVID out there. <laughs> <laughs> But have sex. Basically, have the sex. Minister of Health for Denmark said, keep on keeping on. <laughs> we we uh, we uh, we recommend having sex. Yes. <laughs> But perhaps when I mean, are Europeans watching all of these American films where the kids go out, you know, onto the viewpoint above the city yeah, and yeah, they yeah, make yeah. out in the car and yeah, they have sex in a yeah. car? It must be really weird for Europeans, that cultural right. um, yeah. difference yeah. where why don't you just do that in your own damn bed, exactly. right? Why, With your why, parents why in the next room because they know you're going to do it anyway. Yeah. So yeah, it is. But then cars become... They become sexy, yeah. don't they? And I think in a car-centric society, cars are already sexy because that's your only thing you got, right? That's your only transport form. So and you fetishize cars. Space. And it's your private space. Yeah. There's an intimacy in cars too. Like right now, you and I, we're actually sitting in the back seat yeah. and Gonzalo, he is playing our driver right now yeah. right and it's kind of intimate we're sitting here yeah like you know like so I get it I just don't really get it you know what I mean <laughs> yeah no it is I mean I, I, it's not it's that's the car center we have it's on the list here with this this topic as well but also a car centric society yeah where your whole life is spent in a car yeah you go to a shopping mall right which is a, a shared space like yeah. a public private space Uh, you, you know, you go home. There's not a lot of places to go. So the car, it takes you. Know, you're in a car for a lot of your time. Yeah. So it, I mean, it's like 40% of Americans eat meals in cars. Like yeah. you know, it becomes your living room. It becomes your everything. And yeah. then, I, and this is absolutely not good for anthropology, no, the no. development of the species, no. uh, urbanism, transport, anything. Right? No. It's not a good thing. I'm. Just Societal cohesion, even, it's not good for anything. And if you live there, that's your reality, so respect for that. But still, let's, this is not something we want. Yeah. And then modernism, you know, this, the, the evolution of the suburbs. And oh, God. Le Corbusier, I don't, I think maybe some of his chairs could be erotic in, in their design. Right. Other designers are maybe more erotic, but Corbusier, you know, with his plans for the, for the future of cities, yeah, there's not a lot of eroticism in, in car-centric design. Nope. That was, and again, conservative fear disguised as rationale, right? That was just, that, that this is the Messiah. Yeah. We're here. We're here. Okay, we've arrived at, sorry, <laughs> I'm not going to throw up, but I'm a bit, yeah. This just really demonstrate how little you drive in cars. Yeah, oh, it is. Yeah, I'm a really bad <laughs> car passenger person. Do we want to wrap it up? Do you think we can wrap it up now? Yeah, let's wrap it up. All right. Okay, now we've arrived. Yeah, it's kind of cool this podcast because there's a back end to this, right? There's yeah. there's a, there's bookends. Yeah. We got in the car, started talking. We've arrived at your Messiah, and we got to see that. So, right. I think we covered. Looking at the at the paper list here, we really kind of covered a lot of things. Um, Can the, I sum up? Or are you summing up? Well, there's one thing here though. Mm. The overkill of choices kills eroticism. I don't even remember what we were talking about there. No. If you if you live, that was Gonzalo actually. But I'm mentioning that we were talking about it. Like, if there's too many choices, if there's too many things, that right. it kind of it distracts you yeah. and takes away the focus on what you want to focus on. I don't really know where we were going with that. It's kind of the only, not negative, but the a question mark about yeah. all of this. Everything else, we're going. Oh my God, it's whole. You know, cities should be erotic, but. But I mean, it's true. Okay, so let me give you an example. <laughs> Blackpool in the UK. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> Blackpool in the UK. It's like a British version of Las Vegas, uh, only worse, right? Yeah. That is not sexy to me. There's just, there's, you know, all the stores are playing super loud music. There's like flashing signs in my face all the time. People are like, you know, pumped up on uh, on pints and coke and you know, you know, fake tans and whatnot. And the whole thing is just on steroids. 
And that to me is just not sexy. I get overwhelmed and my senses start to shut down because there's so much going on. Yeah, sensory overload, right? Sensory overload. And I was just like, Loud oh, music wow. as you walk past oh, a pub, geez, you didn't want to hear much. that music. It's blaring. Too much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because so, then I thought, hmm. we're talking about erotic cities, but then Brighton yeah. for a very long time yeah, yeah, was yeah. famous as the place to go for a dirty weekend. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you take yeah. the train down from it London. Still is. So, yeah, it still yeah. is. So, Brighton is kind of you know, branding itself it's on this is where you go yeah, to have illicit sex in hotel city. rooms yeah, yeah. with people who you might not be married right. to or whatever, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's kind of fun. To th- I just realized, yeah, wow, there, is this, there must be more cities as well yeah. where they're famous, well, Vegas probably. Obviously, you go to Vegas for many reasons, yeah. and uh, I think what happens in Vegas stays in absolutely, Vegas. or in Brighton as well. What happens in Blackpool stays. In that Blackpool. was just, in a way, a fun. Yeah, what happens in Blackpool <laughs> probably gets you arrested. Uh, <laughs> it's or illegal in, in several jurisdictions around the world. But that's interesting to think that some cities are actually designed or, or evolved to be an erotic city, yeah, a yeah. place where you go to yeah. live out your erotic uh, right. and intimacy and you know everything. Right, so that's kind of fun. Yeah. So you have your, your Latin cities where everybody's just constantly, there's a whole layer of erotica and yeah. sensuality. Yeah. Nordic cities where it emerges in, in the, seasons in or inside, yeah. not yeah. outside. So I think, uh, I don't know what we did for the future of urbanist thinking by recording this podcast, <laughs> but I think we, ta- we tackled a topic that nobody talks about. Nobody talks about. And can I just sum up in terms of like, okay, what makes a city erotic or sensual? Richness of detail. That we know. For me, also, again, the porosity of facades. Like, that, you know, being able to peek into a private sphere in public. Blurred also, lines. Blurred lines, yeah. yeah. And we talk about private moments being shared in public. You know, whether it's someone arguing, crying, laughing, kissing, hugging, you know, stuff like that. Like, and random acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. I think that was also something that we talked about, right? And then obviously the sensory stimuli. I mean, and compliments, well, which is random acts of kindness, but yeah. that can lead to flirting. Yeah. The opportunity to flirt because you're elbow to elbow with exactly. lots of humans. You have a, you know, more of an opportunity to see people that you find attractive and yeah. to interact with them with a, a, a cute urban flirt. Yeah. You know, eyes across the room yeah, in yeah. a bar, the classic, right? I mean, or eyes across the square. Exactly. Yeah. All right. And I think in a world where, um, you know, obviously it's a good thing for overpopulation, but in a world, especially in the West, where birth rates are down, yeah. let's try to make more erotic cities. All right. And now we're in the complete opposite of an erotic <laughs> city. We're in the mountains of Catalonia. The erotic mountains. How about that? All right. Okay. But as always, awesome to talk to you about crazy shit, girl. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that was cool. Let's All go. Right. Let's go visit the farm. Okay. High five. I'm so horny right Yay. now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that should be the start before the intro music. I'm so horny right now. And then the so intro horny. music. <laughs> You've been listening to The Life Sized City, my podcast about urbanism and urban change. As ever, this episode was produced thanks to red wine and coffee. The music was composed by Phil Creamer. Check out his website at www.hereonout.com. I'm Michael Koval-Anderson. Thanks for listening.